All right, good day, Heartland. Welcome to the Sunday edition, well, the only edition of uh, Heartland Church Online. Welcome to the final week of Know Thy Selfie. Thank you to those of you who have joined us for all three weeks. Uh, in the first week of the series, I, of course, had to share some selfie fails since we're in the series titled Know Thy Selfie. Uh, this week, I wanted to share a story I just found this past week, which is not a selfie fail, it's a selfie success because a selfie was used for a paleontological discovery. Here's the story. A Russian paleontologist named Nikolay G. Nikolay G. Zurkov, it's a good name for those of you looking for baby names, he was visiting the Natural History Museum in London, and he wanted to take a look at a skeleton of, a, of an extinct aquatic reptile, which at the time had not been identified, but the case of the skeleton was too high up, so he used a selfie stick to take pictures of the skeleton. Uh, images from the selfie stick pictures revealed the creature, uh, the bones that had been unearthed more than a century ago off the coast of southern England, seemed very similar to a genus of ichthyosaur he recognized from Russian collections. So ichthyosaur, uh, I can't even say it, is an aquatic dinosaur. Here's a picture of the ichthyosaur. So after he took these pictures, he sent them to his partner, another paleontologist. They realized that the skeleton was indeed an ichthyosaur and furthered their research on the creature and the area's history all because of a selfie stick picture. So there you go. There's not just selfie fails out there. There's paleontologists discovering things via selfie sticks. So those of you who I've made fun of for using selfie sticks in the past, forgive me. Uh, you've got Nikolay G. Zerkov at your back defending you, so you're welcome. All right, well now, in addition to uh, you know discovering things with uh, selfie sticks, it's now time to announce the winners of our Heartland Selfie competition. So Leading it off with most creative, we have Veronica with her selfie. Uh, I don't know what's going on, Veronica, but I love it. It's so creative. You got one half of your face with the war paint, other half with the pink lipstick, purple eyeshadow, holding a baseball, and half a cardigan, half a party cardi. I love it. Love the t-shirt, summer shirt, so, and the braid on. Well done. I don't know what the two-face or what was happening there, but it's super creative. So you win. We will be sending you a prize. Uh, next, we have funniest, and this one goes to Mr. Dan Sandridge, and it uh, just made me laugh. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's your baby. Uh, so this is just a baby, and I can't tell who's crying first and who's reacting to the crying. I assume, Dan, you were wailing, and the baby was like, all right, I guess we're crying. So well done, Dan, for that. And then finally, the best group or family photo goes to Mr. Eric uh, Saldswedell, who says, recently installed a dishwasher in our house that never had one before, three trips to Menards, broken wine glass, don't mention how, and we're finally washing dishes not by hand anymore. Congratulations on the dishwasher. Well done installing it. Well done on the masks that you and Lindsay are wearing. Uh, well done. All right, so prizes will be sent to all three of you. Thank you to everybody who participated. Okay, so now let's get going with our final week of Know Thy Selfie. Just as a quick review, uh, this series we started a couple weeks ago because not only is it important and valuable and fun and interesting to get to, our know get to know ourselves a little bit better, have a better understanding of ourselves and how we can connect to others and the Lord, but also just with the quarantine going on, we thought we are running out of things to do, and so let's come up with more things to do, such 
college as various self-assessments. So the first week, uh, we talked about spiritual gifts and had a spiritual gifts assessment. I'd encourage you to go back if you've not had a chance to uh, watch the teaching or take the assessment. Uh, That was really great. Then last week, Ashley taught us about love languages and the five different ways that we both give and receive love to the people around us, how valuable, important that is to understand about ourselves. Um, And then this week, we are talking about a third one. So if you missed any of the first two weeks, again, please go back, feel free to watch and take the assessments. Uh, This week, uh, as we conclude this series, I'm so excited to talk about what's called spiritual pathways. Essentially, a spiritual pathway is an experience or environment that helps us best connect with God. There are a number of different pathways that we'll talk about today, uh, and each one of them is different for each person on how they might best connect with their Heavenly Father based on how He created us, based on how He wired us. None are like better or more spiritual than the other ones. They are just different but equal and powerful and important as they lead us on a path to getting closer to and knowing God more. Now, uh, these pathways, unlike spiritual gifts, uh, similar to the love languages, they're not specifically, you know, mentioned or taught about in Scripture, but from Scripture, we can gather that there are definitely different ways different individuals connect with God best based on how God has created them. So, today I'm going to talk about the seven spiritual pathways, but before we get into those, uh, I want to talk about the core of what these pathways mean. Because spiritual pathways, like to the, to the epitome of this definition, they are a means to an end, meaning spiritual pathways, the purpose, the heart, the focus, the nucleus behind them is a relationship with God. I know I've talked about this a number of times before, so forgive me, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's just so important that God's number one desire above anything else is for us to connect with him, for him to know us, for us to know him. That's his number one desire. It's not like blind obedience, it's not you know, feeling obligation, it's not feeling judged or his, he's angry or we didn't do it right or we're not good enough, no, no, no. His number one desire is for us to know him. And the entirety of Scripture teaches us this. If you were to sum up the Bible in the most succinct way possible, it would be God's relentless pursuit to be with us. And you see this all throughout Scripture. Creation, from verse 1 of the Bible, God created everything so that He could be with us. He created the perfect planet in the perfect solar system, the perfect universe, so that there would be life and that he could mold us with his own two hands to be in a relationship with us. And you see this in the garden. Adam and Eve, the first two human beings that ever existed, God would daily, you know, every every single day would walk with Adam and Eve. He didn't like create them and then say, great, you go do your thing, I'll be up here. He walked with them in the garden. One of my Bible heroes was a guy named Enoch, who there's only like five verses written about him because it says he walked with God for 300 years and then was not, for God took him. God was just eventually like, you're closer to here than there anyway, why don't you just come on up? Uh, Abraham, as God first established his chosen people through which the Messiah would come, uh, he spoke to Abraham. This was unheard of at that time. Abraham wasn't required to like appease this God through sacrifice or anything like that. God approached Abraham himself. God approached a human and didn't say, hey, I want you to do better. He said, listen, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I will make a great nation through you and I will bless you and I just want to be with you. Just follow me because I can give you the best life possible. In the desert, after freeing his people from Egypt, God himself led the people 
through a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was amongst his people. In the desert, he instructed them to build the tabernacle, which was a place that they could come meet with God. Where the, the, it says that the presence of God resided in this tabernacle and then eventually the temple. As they established their city in Jerusalem, built the temple, this was again a place to come meet, be with God. Eventually he sent his son Jesus, whose name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then for all eternity, in the future yet to come, Jesus defines eternity once where he says, this is eternal life that we, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent. So from beginning of scripture to the future of all eternity, the number one desire is of God is that we would be with him, is that we would know him better and better every single moment of every single day. And that is what these pathways are about These pathways, these spiritual pathways, are about the joy of discovering how we best connect with our Heavenly Father, and then intentionally seeking out those pathways every single day so that we can draw closer to Him every single day, which eventually we'll do for all eternity. So, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk through, uh, as I said, these seven spiritual pathways, and then I'm going to give a few additional elements for each pathway. So I'm going to give you the pathway. I'm going to talk about a big biblical example of that pathway. I'm going to talk about some activities, just kind of suggestions if you're looking for them, to intentionally pursue that pathway. And I'm also going to give you a fictional character for whom this pathway would have been perfect. So you can identify with this fictional character and say, hey, my you know, pathway was this person. All right, so here we go. If you're a note taker, bold at point one through seven. Here we go. We're rocking it out. Uh, Spiritual pathway number one is relational. Somebody with this pathway would say, I connect best to God when I am with others. Now, we are all built for community. That's universal across the human race. We were not meant to do life alone. But for some, being with and around people is a way that they actually connect to God the best in a deep and personal way. They see God in and through people around them. They experience God's love and presence through the love and presence of others around them. Uh, it could be you know, just a close friend or two that you're with. It could be a larger group of people. Either way, the, those with this pathway draw closer to God while amongst people. Those with this path, pathway uh, tend to, though not exclusively, tend to be extroverts whose tank, uh, even spiritual tank, relational tank with the Lord is filled by conversations, by coffee, uh, by parties, by events. They probably live for uh, you know, Sunday mornings coming to, or Saturday nights coming to church to be around people, be around friends and family, meet new people, and then sit in a room with 10 or hundreds of other people and worship together and get to know God more. That is how they experience God through relationship, through people being around them. Uh, The fictional character that represents the relational pathway is Michael Scott from The Office because Michael Scott always wants to be around his friends, always wants to be around people. They don't always want to be around him, but he always wants to be with people constantly in social contact. And you can see it fills him up, it gives him life as he is around his friends from The Office. So some of you with the relational pathway, you can identify with Steve Carell, which I would look for any excuse to identify with Steve Carell. Love that guy. Uh, The biblical example I, I thought of for this one is Ruth. Uh, Ruth's story is fantastic. I encourage you to go read her entire story in the book entitled, wait for this, 
Ruth. I know, just blew your mind. Uh, so this, this moment, I just want to read you that, that uh, speaks to this uh, spiritual pathway, is uh, Ruth's mother-in-law was a woman named Naomi. She was Jewish. Ruth was not Jewish. Uh, she lived in a foreign land, Naomi. Uh, she was married and had two sons, both of whom were married, one of which was married to Ruth. Uh, over the course of the story, eventually Naomi's husband dies. Both of her sons die, and so now she's alone in this foreign land with her two daughters-in-law. She decides she's going to go back to Jerusalem to be with her people. So we pick up in Ruth uh, 1, beginning in verse 7. Uh, it says, With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she'd been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Ju- uh, Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. So skip ahead uh, to verse 14. Uh, again, they wept together, and Orpah, one of the other, uh, the other daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law, kissed Naomi goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, verse 16, do not ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you will go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So I love this moment, just this example where Ruth refusing to part with Naomi. And through this relationship, Ruth discovered God, that she got to know God. She became immersed a part of the Jewish people, even though by blood she was not Jewish. And it's a good thing that she did this because she ended up being in the lineage of Jesus. Through her, she was part of the generation that brought the Savior into the world because she clung so tightly to this relationship. A few examples of activities to pursue if uh, relationship pathway is your pathway. Uh, Joining a small group, being in a small group. Uh, Hosting events at your home, just intentionally drawing, gathering people into your home. Volunteering with others in, in your community or at your church. One of the greatest ways that we talk about here at Heartland, I know COVID, uh, quarantine were uh, a little bit different circumstances, but in general, if and once we get back to normal, when people ask, how can I meet people, the number one answer we say is join a volunteer team. You will just begin rubbing shoulders with amazing people in our church, in our community, and spending a lot of time with them. And so many friendships, growth groups, even marriages have come out of people volunteering together. So volunteer. Uh, Even scheduling time intentionally with friends and family. Again, those with this pathway, you need to be intentional and seek out people, being with people, because this is how you're going to experience more of God's presence. That was number one. Pathway number two is intellectual. Those with this pathway would say, I connect best to God when I learn. Uh, for those of you this, with this pathway, God is found through new information and thoughtful processing. This can come in any different form, books, podcasts, articles, teaching, blogs, anything that's going to offer new information about God, about scripture, about life, about yourself, and challenge your mind with new information to think about and to process. For those of you with this pathway, uh, your favorite part of church probably is and always has been the teaching portion. You know, the worship is great, serving is great, you know, hopefully you're doing all that out of discipline, giving all that, but you really probably get most excited about the teaching because you want to learn new information, new perspective on God because that is how you feel most connected to him. Uh, The fictional character for this one, Lisa Simpson. 
So proud. She's for sure the smartest cartoon I think uh, I've ever known. So Lisa Simpson thrives on learning new things, seeks it out intentionally, doesn't boast about it, but uh, you know, this would be her pathway to God, would be learning new things. The biblical example of this uh, I could think of was the uh, Apostle Luke. Uh, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor before becoming a disciple and apostle of Jesus. And if you read Luke's gospel, the first three gospels, they call the synoptic gospels because they're somewhat similar in their makeup and the, the perspective that they tell. But Luke's gospel differs a little bit from Matthew or Mark. It resembles the other in its treatment of the life of Jesus, but Luke's gospel goes beyond them in narrating just the ministry of Jesus, in fact, widening its perspective to consider God's overall historical purpose and the place of the church within it. Luke's mind thought analytically. He liked to think. He liked to process. And his gospel shows that his mind got excited about processing more than just what was right in front of him. His mind wanted to expand the narrative of Jesus' life far beyond what was right in front of him to connect the dots to the Old Testament and to history even moving forward. This pathway is actually my number one pathway, is intellectual. I just get so geeked out about learning more information about Scripture. Um, I love diving into um, you know, commentaries and study books. I oftentimes uh, very frequently listen to uh, podcasts of other teachers, of other preachers, just because I love learning new things that they you know, have from their perspective. Oftentimes, I, I mean, again, I know this is different, but oftentimes when I'm at the pack, like if you ever see me at the pack with my headphones in at, at the gym, you might think like, oh, he's probably rocking out to you know, Rage Against the Machine or Blink-182. Sometimes, but more often than not, it's a teaching podcast from another pastor as I'm sweating and listening to awesome things about God. But I just love learning new information. It fires me up and genuinely like helps me worship the Lord more. To, to dive into scripture and, and understand something new about God, my heart worships him for this new information that I understand as I'm like, God, you're so much bigger, you're so much more personal, you're so much more amazing than I would have thought. I'm so glad I learned that about you. So this is my number one pathway. A couple activities to pursue. If this is your pathway, here's some things to intentionally pursue. Uh, Reading biblical commentaries or study books. Uh, As I said, podcasts of other teachers or theological podcasts. Uh, Seeking out articles or magazines, subscribing to magazines or online articles that talk about new discoveries, that have debates over theological topics. Uh, Watching other churches online. Seeking to have discussions and debates with others about theology. So if there's somebody that either has a similar or even a very different perspective, I think there's real health in saying, hey, we think differently, but we both love Jesus. I think it would just expand both of our minds to have a healthy conversation and debate this, this subject. I'd love to learn some more information. So that's the intellectual. Number three is worship. Those with this pathway would say, I connect best to God when I worship. Uh, now, the majority of this pathway is musical worship, for sure. That, uh, you know, is the, easily the most common way that when we talk about worship, we talk about in our today's day and age, is through musical praise and worship. Uh, but I would also say it includes other things. I would say that worship could be anything from, uh, from singing to playing a musical instrument. I'd say it also could include things like dance or art or poetry. The key here is an uh, outward uh, physical expression, vocal expression of worship and praise to our God. It, again, most often comes through musical worship, but I think could encompass a lot more of a physical, vocal, outward expression of praise and worship towards God. Uh, those of you with this pathway, uh, worship 
during our church service is your favorite part. You're like, you're the one who, if it was more ruckus in here, every time it ends would be like, one more song, one more song. And then people like me with the intellectual would be like, shh, we want to get to the teaching. So it's good. We try to find a balance, but, but uh, you love worshiping. Uh, the fictional character for this, throwback, uh, fictional character for worship is Dolores Wilson, a.k.a. Sister Mary Clarence, a.k.a. Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. Who loves me some Sister Act? One and two, man, watched those a ton as a kid. Those were such great movies. Uh, if you've not seen them, they're kind of dated. I don't know if I can recommend it, but they're super fun. The second one's really good. The, what's the song they sing? The, the, his Eyes on the Sparrow? <sighs> so good. All right. Uh, biblical example of this, this one was really easy. Uh, King David. David was a worshiper at heart, man. He played uh, the lyre. He played the musical instrument. He played it for King Saul sometimes when he would get stressed out and it would calm him. He wrote the majority of the psalms in the Bible. In fact, the word psalm just means song. Like every single psalm in the Bible is simply a song, uh, a poet, poet, poem put to music. Again, most of them that David wrote. Here's a great example, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5, a song that David wrote and I'm sure sung. It says, oh, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. As you read through so many of the Psalms, in fact, you'll find lines that are in modern worship songs. So many of the modern worship songs these days just take from uh, the greatest compilation of worship songs ever, which is the book of Psalms. So uh, some activities for those of you in this pathway to pursue, reading Psalms. Reading the book of Psalms, boom, right there, there's a great one. Uh, Listening to worship music as you drive, uh, as you work, as you work out at home. Uh, Journaling, I would say, again, just just this physical outward expression of worship. Uh, Carving out intentional time uh, to to express yourself in some physical form. Singing, painting, dancing, writing, etc. Seeking out and attending worship conferences once they become available uh, can be a very, very powerful pathway experience for you, those of you with the worship pathway. All right. Uh, almost halfway done. Number four is the activist. This is an interesting one. Those with this pathway would say, I connect best to God when doing great things. Uh, This pathway is similar to serving, which we'll get to in a minute, but it differs in that the activist pathway is an outward-focused action focused on justice and positive productivity. Those with this pathway feel a fire and a passion for injustice, and for striving for change in systems, in people, in organizations that are making a positive difference. To be clear, this is not about picketing outside abortion clinics or screaming about going to hell to strangers on street corners. That's called judgment. That's not called activism. That is not what this is about. Too many Christians have gotten that wrong. This pathway, for those with this pathway, they feel a sense of God's heart his burning heart to defend the defenseless, to lift up those who are down, to bring hope and healing to those who desperately need it. Many of those with this pathway might start or be a part of, join non-for-profits whose goal is to bring positive change to their community and world around them in order to help people who need it. 
Uh, the fictional character I thought of for this one was King T'Challa, Black Panther, uh, at the end of the Black Panther movie, which is just such a phenomenal flick. Uh, he, you can see him shifting the kingdom, shifting his leadership towards being kind of contained in their old world to saying, no, we're going to now make a difference in the world around us because we have the resources, and boy, does he ever. Uh, the biblical example I thought of for this was Nehemiah. So I'll give you a snippet of his story. Uh, there was a point in the history of the Jewish people that they had been conquered, they had been hauled away as slaves and servants uh, in Babylon, and uh, decades later, a Jewish man named Nehemiah had heard that Jerusalem was being ransacked, and he felt this passion to bring God's people back together, back to their home, to rebuild the city and reestablish them as a people group. So he approached the king, this is courage, this is boldness, he was motivated, he approached the king who was in control of Israel and asked him this, from the book of Nehemiah, verse two, beginning, uh, or excuse me, chapter two, beginning in verse one. Uh, It says, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I, Nehemiah, was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, here's the activism courage right here, long live the king, how can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king then asked, well, how can I help you? And Nehemiah said, with a prayer to heaven of God, he replied, if it please the king and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors were buried. The rest of the book goes on, I encourage you to read it, goes on to tell this account where Nehemiah reunited God's people, the king said yes, reunited God's people, went back to Jerusalem, and in 52 days, simultaneously defended Jerusalem from attacks and also rebuilt the entire surrounding wall for protection. It was a revival for the Jews in their home city, in their hometown, led by this man, Nehemiah. Examples of some activities to pursue if this is your pathway is, as I said, joining a nonprofit. Find someone or an organization doing what you are passionate about to serve, to give, to promote, etc. Uh, start a nonprofit. I'd say if there's a passion, something burning in you and it's not getting done, do it yourself, and you will find and experience God's presence in ways that you never thought possible. Gathering community members together to simply dialogue, to listen about things you're passionate about, things that you know uh, need, to, need help, need people, need hands, need feet, and you just say, hey, let's dialogue about this. Let's start a conversation. I want to understand. I want to learn. Uh, mission trips be a great one. Again, once, once we're kind of back on the grid, mission trips to travel locally, to travel internationally and say, I want to get behind a uh, 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 missions and, and organizations and tasks that I know I'm passionate about, and in doing so, you will find you're on a pathway to getting to know God more. All right, a couple more. Uh, number five is the contemplative pathway. I connect, God, I connect best to God in silence. So somewhat in contrary to the relational pathway, the contemplative pathway is where people find God in solitude, in silence, and in time alone. Uh, this could come in the form of, of just you know, sitting in a quiet, empty room. This could come in the form of reading. Uh, this could come in the form of writing. It could be outside, taking a walk, headphones in, even if you're in a crowded place. But whatever it is, putting your heart, your spirit, your mind in a place of solitude to meditate and simply be with God. 
Uh, now, much like the relational pathway, again, these are kind of in contrast, so I would say this, the relational pathway, uh, those that have that pathway need to be uh, also wise that they do have moments of solitude, do have moments to themselves. Those with the contemplative pathway also need to be aware that, again, we were made for community, uh, and so being aware that, yes, while we find God through contemplation through solitude, we need to be aware not to isolate, that we still need community, we still need to seek that. But within healthy boundaries, those who identify with this pathway discover God in quiet moments alone. Uh, The fictional character for this one is Mr. Ron Swanson, who I wish I want to be like when I grow up, for sure, the, the mustache and the just attitude. But as you know, if you've seen Parks and Rec, if not, please go watch it. Uh, Ron Swanson just always wants to be alone. He has a remote control for his office doors to slam on command because he just, you know, want, wants to be alone. Uh, the biblical example I thought of for this uh, was Moses. And again, there's, you know, as I said, the Bible doesn't teach on the seven spiritual pathways, but Moses, uh, much of his life, you can see examples of him uh, really kind of thriving in moments of solitude. He spent years and years, 40 years, as a shepherd, which was a very solitary experience out in the wilderness. Uh, he had a fear of, wanting, of not wanting to talk in front of people, that he had a speech impediment that made him insecure, not wanting to speak in front of people. So again, speaks to kind of this more uh, introverted wanting to be alone. He also spent 40 days in solitude with God on Mount Sinai. He spent over a month just all by himself with the Lord, communing with the Lord. So I believe that this pathway was Moses' pathway. And this is actually my number two. So uh, uh, intellectual is my number one, but this is my number two, where I am filled by solitude. I am filled by time alone. I experience God mostly in moments uh, on my own. Sometimes it'll be driving, sometimes with headphones in, sometimes if I'm home alone. But just moments of solitude are when I can kind of quiet myself and experience God's presence. So some examples of activities to pursue would be, uh, and I use this word intentionally, uh, scheduling time to be alone. Oftentimes we think uh, inactivity is simply a result of not activity. Uh, For me, I've gotten in the habit of actually intentionally scheduling time for nothing and scheduling time for uh, being alone or for reading or for you know being quiet. So if something somebody were to request, hey, can you do this meeting or do this phone call? I'd say, actually, no, I have a previous engagement. That's what I say <laughs> because it's just me being alone because I want to be disciplined about that. So scheduling that time, uh, reading and meditating on scripture, uh, I'd say you know, u- utilizing like a meditation app. There's just so many out there that'll just kind of quiet your head, quiet your mind, put you in a moment of stillness to be able to experience this pathway and experience God's presence. Uh, uh, journaling, I'd say, even solo retreats. Uh, so just getting away by yourself. I had a friend of mine, mentor of mine, uh, who used to, on a, on a yearly basis, go take a couple days and go to a monastery where he just would practice you know, silence and, and prayer and meditation and scripture reading in this monastery. So anyway, so be intentional about it, time getting alone. Okay, two more. Keep on trucking. Number six is serving. I connect best to God when completing kingdom tasks. This one is somewhat self-explanatory. Um, it kind of can have some overlap to the relational or the activist, but at its heart, those with this pathway connect to God when they are using their hands, using their feet to serve those who need it. Jesus even said when you uh, feed those who are hungry, you clothe those who are naked, you visit those who are in prison, you are actually doing it for me. So by serving, we can in a very real tangible way experience the presence of God. Uh, The fictional character for this one is Alfred Pennyworth. I mean, who would Batman be without Alfred? He would not be as equipped. He wouldn't have as many protein shakes. 
uh, you know, the mansion would get real dusty, so, and Alfred knew his secret, so he could serve Batman and Bruce Wayne, uh, good, good for, so Alfred Pennyworth, and it doesn't get better than Michael Caine, right? Uh, Michael Caine, Ron Swanson, I want to be like them when they grow up. All right, uh, so the biblical example of this, I literally could not think of anybody better than Jesus, and I know that's not a shock, but I was like, yeah, Jesus, the ultimate example of a servant. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, three through five, says Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. We have no better example of what it looks like to serve than Jesus himself, who, as we just read, had all authority on heaven and on earth and yet chose to serve. So those of you with this pathway, seek out opportunities to serve in your community, to serve at church, uh, making and delivering meals to those who need it, starting volunteer opportunities or ministries, whatever it is, get involved physically with your hands and your feet to serve, and you will experience God's presence. And the final one, number seven, uh, seventh pathway is creation. Those with this pathway would say, I connect best to God in nature. Now, this pathway, different than maybe some of the other ones we looked at, is is less activity-based and it's more simply environment-based. For those with this pathway, just being in nature, just being outside, surrounded by God's creation, does something that nothing else can in being a pathway between you and the Lord and experiencing God's presence in a way that you can't otherwise. Uh, my (laughs) My fictional example for this is Hagrid. Uh, from Harry Potter, this dude like loved the outdoors. You know, his cabin was right next to the Enchanted Forest, I think it was called, and was always outside, always you know working in the trees with the animals and stuff. This this guy liked being outside. Uh, the biblical example I came up for this one was John the Baptist. Again, he doesn't specifically say, "Hey, my spiritual pathway," but here's a verse describing the life of John the Baptist. Uh, I'll see. You can see why I made this connection. Uh, Matthew three. Uh, It says, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. So, uh, you know, if you want to take it to the JTB level of being out in nature, giddy up. You go for it. You let me know how those locusts taste. I'm all set. Uh, with my, you know, beef jerky from Costco. Uh, But John was out in nature and doing God's work in a powerful way. So if this is your pathway, uh, some examples would be, again, intentionally scheduling time just to be outside, starting 20 minutes at the beginning of your day and or at the end of your day to say, I just need to go take a walk, I just need to be outside. Uh, Trips to the park could be fishing, uh, woodworking, gardening, uh, putting plants in your office, in your bedroom, just something to uh, put nature around you as you understand this is how I connect to God is through nature. So, There they are, seven spiritual pathways. I'm hoping you identified with one or two of them. Uh, Like we've been doing these past couple weeks, uh, we wanted to kind of reach out to some people to uh, uh, talk about this uh, uh, self-assessment, to talk about their experience, offer some different perspective. So uh, this week I got on a Zoom call with Brent Decker, our worship leader, and Jake German, uh, who's our executive pastor of operations, because both of them have very uh, clear, very powerful, but 
very different pathways to God. And so I wanted to ask them about that. So take a look at my conversation with Brent and Jake. So we're talking about spiritual pathways. And I thought of you two uh, because both of you have what seems to be a very clear pathway that are also very different from each other. So uh, Brent, you go first, talk about your spiritual pathway and when you discovered that that was your spiritual pathway. Yeah, so for me, um, it has always been music, um, specifically worship music. Um, I think, yeah, when I was younger, I remember there was a very specific moment when I was growing up. I was in church. I think I was like, man, 10 probably, so I was pretty young. Mm. And just our family was experiencing some things that were hard. And I remember going, we went to church. I grew up kind of going to church, but um, we went to church and um, it was like the first time I ever actually listened to the words of the worship music that was happening. Mm. Um, and it so spoke to like my exact feeling and my need. Um, and it was, yeah, it's really hard to put into words. This is like the first time I've actually talk, talked about this story, but it was like, I felt um, like the, the worship music had given words to something that I couldn't come up with and say. Um, and I just felt so tangibly that the Lord was just sitting there in it with me. Um, and so really my whole life, I've kind of been in pursuit of that feeling almost of just like this closeness to Jesus. And of course it comes in other ways sometimes too, but the most, um, yeah, the times where I felt it the most has been um, either leading worship, um, but more so has been when I've just been a participator um, and sitting um, while people are leading worship. And I think it does something to me um, when I'm singing out words, even when things are hard or when, when people can craft a song that is um, really what my heart is saying, but I can't speak, um, I've found that I can sing. And so, um, yeah, I think I've known for a really long time um, and it's not just leading worship. I think a lot of times people would think that, oh, that's why you're a worship leader. Like, but really when I'm leading worship, it's more of this like moment of creating a place for others um, to encounter Jesus. And when I'm like partaking and listening, it, it truly is something where I feel like I'm able to um, be ministered to. And yeah, so long answer, not super clear, but I think it's just has been this moment of like, I worship music, um, has just spoken in a way that I haven't had the words to say really most of my life. And so what, that's great. So what do you do? I was going to ask actually, because, you know, worship leading is your vocation. Yeah. And obviously when you, as you lead worship, you're also clearly worshiping, but, but you're also in a leadership position. So outside of that, do you, are there ways that you like intentionally seek out, as you said, kind of being more the worshiper versus the leader? Uh, yeah. or the ways that you seek that out aside from when you are on stage leading us? Yeah, definitely. I listen to a ton of music. I think in any of my quiet time, no matter, you know, I always try to incorporate scripture and things like that into it, but no matter what I'm doing, I always take time to listen to um, other worship leaders and people who um, I think speak a lot of truth and value through music. Um, the other thing that I do is I, because I play piano, I'll actually just sit down and start playing music. Um, okay and not have words and not try to come up with words or sing out words. Um, and I've found that really in a lot of those times it comes out as more like a prayer. Um, but even just the melody of the notes for me, it's like feels spiritual um, and feels like I'm experiencing Jesus in a different way. And that'll just be me sitting at a piano and playing. So those are ways that I try to seek that out because I definitely need it. Um, leading worship would not 
fill me up in the same way that I get when I'm just experiencing it. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I love that. And for whatever it's worth, if, you know, you ever want me to just come over and sing to you. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's something about the beauty of worship that might be missed in that. (laughs) How dare you? So talk about your uh, spiritual path. Uh, yeah, mine, I just discovered like a week ago because you asked me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I guess it's like, a, I was as I was listening to Brent, um, I was you know, obviously thinking about <clears throat> my answer. And I would say it's kind of twofold. There's probably a part, like I can look back now and see where I was definitely starting to recognize um, being in nature and out in God's creation was very appealing to me and this thing that came to mind was when I was like 11 and first started deer hunting Mm. and we'd get up super early and go out in the woods in the dark and then we'd sit in the stand and be freezing for those of you who had hunted before yeah I remember that feeling (laughs) and I just remember being fascinated with the world waking up and like sitting Mm. there even though I was freezing like the the world the sun coming up the bird, like the animals coming alive, the sounds. And then even the same, same idea when it would go away. And I remember like even realizing I liked that more than actual hunting, like shooting a deer, whatever your feelings on hunting, but like it was about being out in nature where I started to just really sense like something amazing. And so that was young. And, and since then, I've spent a lot of time growing up in the, in the woods, in nature, something my family did. But yeah, I didn't probably recognize as, as a spiritual pathway until I was at least in my 20s. Um, when I started to, you know, explore, read the Bible more and, and seek more in my faith. And I remember part of it was this realization that worship didn't just have to be through music because... Mm. Well, the thing is, like, I actually love music a lot. I surprisingly can play various instruments. I can't sing very well, but I love listening to music. We talk about music a lot. Um, but no, I, I, so it's not that I even, you know, obviously I think what Brent does and leading people and how people worship that way is phenomenal. And it, <clears throat> it's really great here. But I knew that for, for me, it, it wasn't connecting. And I just remember thinking like, was there something I was doing wrong or because I wasn't, you know, experiencing something. It seemed like a lot of other people were experiencing, but through just reading the Bible and some, some conversations with some cool people, just discovering, you know, different things where it it got, you know, the Psalms talk a lot about creation and the majesty of God. And in Job, there's a couple of good verses and just realizing like, God's presence is very much within the world around us. And so, yeah, that was probably the first part. And then it's grown. And then in the last few years, I've definitely like really kind of embraced that and tried to bring it in to my daily life because obviously, well, not obviously, but I most experience that when I go up north in Wisconsin and I'm in like the deep woods and can be away from everything. But obviously I can't do that when I'm here in my daily life. So why I have pictures like this from your lovely wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get tattoos to remind me, but um, also just, you know, I do a lot of campfires in my yard. So it's been trying to figure out how I can bring that into my regular life instead of always kind of needing to go away from the world. Mm. So that's why I think it's become more prevalent. Like you've seen it more because I've, I have tried to make it more a part of 
the world I live in regularly, not just the one I escaped to. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And that's what I love. That's what I've loved having seen. Cause, cause somebody with, with that pathway, the way that you describe it, you know, could come at it from a perspective of, oh man, it's just so hard for me to connect with God because, you know, we got life and work and, you know, which is true. But for you to not only, I, I know you've been intentional, like you said, with going up North when, whenever you can, and that's just so good for you and your family, but then for you to own it here and say, what can I do to put myself in that environment, even if just for 10 seconds a day to help, you know, connect with God in that moment. So the tattoo and the, I mean, every single night on your Instagram there, it's a fire. Just, <laughs> just morning, night, it doesn't even start. <laughs> it's actually the same three fires. I just filmed them from different <laughs> angles and just read, no. Is there I haven't been outside in months, no. Uh, all right, you guys are very wise and very pretty. Thanks for your time. And <laughs> path, pathway on. Man, such great insight. Love that. So, so good, good dudes right there. I love their perspective. All right, so uh, before we close, just as we wrap up, I once again want to remind you the heart of these spiritual pathways is uh, a relationship with God. These are a means to the end, and the end is our relationship with Him. The point is not, you know, figure out your pathway or else God's going to be disappointed. You know, it's not like, hey, find your pathway because God's, you know, going to put pressure on you to make sure it's right, make sure you do it. No, no, it's not, it's not about that. This is literally about the Lord saying, hey, I made you with a particular way to connect with me best. Seek that as much as possible because his number one desire is a relationship, is us to know him more and be with him more. It's the purpose for all creation. It's the best summary of the Bible. It's what eternity is going to be like. So uh, I hope and pray, even over the course of this series, that each one of these self-assessments has not meant to be like obligatory or extra work or feeling weird pressure. No, no, no. Th these are meant to be freeing, to say, God created me a certain way. I want to understand how he has created me so that I can connect with him better. And as we've done uh, every week, we have some homework for you in the spirit of wanting to connect with the Lord better. So we have a spiritual pathway assessment that you can take to find out your number one and number two, uh, you know, top one or top two spiritual pathways. If you already know what it is, great. Go pursue it. You can still take the assessment if you want. We'd love for you to do that. If not, uh, go take this short assessment. You can find the link in our chat feature wherever you're watching from, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Church Online. You can find the, the link there to go take the assessment, figure out what your pathway is, and then get to seeking God through this pathway uh, as much as you can. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed this series. Hope you have enjoyed uh, knowing thyselfie a little bit more as we've understood more about ourselves, how God has created us, and the ultimate purpose of that is just knowing God a little bit better. So as we conclude, uh, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, I'm so uh, grateful that in your word, you talk about knowing us and creating us and knitting us together even before you laid the foundation of the earth. That all of it, that, that creation and your death on the cross and eternity is meant so that we can know you more. And uh, Lord, we are uh, grateful that you have created us differently. We are each your individual children with different um, gifts and love languages and pathways and so, Lord, just for this week, I pray that you would, if we don't know it, for anybody listening or watching right now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to know our pathway and that in doing so, we would discover the joy of knowing you, um, the joy of walking along our pathway, 
the way that you have wired us to discover more of your presence and your power and your love. And that this would be an activity that we would do every day with joy and anticipation, not obligation. So God, we just lift this up to you and uh, love you and are overwhelmed at your relentless pursuit to know us at any cost and pray that we would respond with that same earnest. And we pray that in your name. Amen.